Welcome everyone to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Because you won't find us on Google or Facebook, we respect your privacy and will continue to fight the Silicon Valley censorship. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's a legend uh, and is really one of the most skilled scientists of her generation. She's uh, gotten a degree from uh, the University of Virginia, worked at the National Cancer Institute, and is a really skilled molecular biologist. And she's going to help us understand some of the serious science that's involved with this pandemic. And she was featured in a recent Epoch Times documentary as one of the, 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 the primary, uh, primary scientists that was discussing and, and identifying the engineering of this. So we're, we're excited about that. Judy is uh, noted, I'm just reading her new book now. Uh, uh, I forget the title of it, Judy. What, what's the title of the book? Plague of Corruption. Plague of Corruption. Yeah, the, your first book was Plague. This is Plague of Corruption. And the, right. it was a, a magnificent forward to the book by Bobby Kennedy, who I was interestingly interviewing next week. And it's like 5% of the book. I mean, that is like literally one of the best forwards to a book that I've ever read. It was just magnificent. I'm so glad he wrote it for you. Yeah. And uh, he describes you as... Uh, his comment from this forward was amazing. The most daunting obstacle to your career advancement was your scientific integrity. You always placed it ahead of personal ambition. And it's so clear. I mean, you, you, you led a life of commitment to integrity and it's cost you dearly. It's cost you great dearly. And, and partially for that life that you've led at the 2018 Autism One Conference, you were awarded the Jeff Bradstreet uh, award, uh, for award for uh, bravery and courage, and I think it's well deserved. So, congratulations for that. Thank you, Jim. And uh, interesting, I don't know if you're aware of it, but my girlfriend Erin Elizabeth, who's the founder of HealthNet News, was the one who first broke that story, and uh, she's since cataloged uh, the nearly. Uh, I think it's over 100 deaths now of other physicians who've passed. Some of them homicide, like like uh, Jeff and others, not so, but. You've done amazing work. So with all that introduction, um, thank, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us. And is there anything you'd like to add before we begin? Uh, no, that's, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm ple- it's a pleasure to talk to you again. I guess it was a couple of years ago that we talked the first time. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I think this is an important time. Yeah, so as I mentioned, you're a molecular biologist, and you really are well-versed in the science that can help us understand this. And you actually, I mean, most everyone watching this, actually most everyone in the country who knows who Dr. Anthony Fauci was. And we discussed him on our last interview, and you have a great uh, familiarity with him because you've worked with him in the past. So uh, maybe you can start there and give us your perspective on the background of what's going on here because there's a deep philosophical history that I think many people would appreciate knowing. 
Well, I think the way to think about the background of what's going on right now is, is to go back to really my first interactions um, with Dr. Tony Fauci when I was a 25-year-old lab technician in the National Cancer Institute. Um, and uh, at that time, we had isolated from blood and saliva the lymphadenopathy virus. That was the name given to it by Luc Montagnier, the Nobel laureate for first isolating and discovering that virus and its association with HIV AIDS. So in, in that situation, um, Dr. Fauci um, delayed the testing um, uh, the, the serology testing, who was exposed. Um, it was um, politicized such that um, the only people that were susceptible to getting infected with HIV was um, gay men, uh, IV drug users. The, the country was told not to worry about it. It, wa it was only spread, spread through blood and body fluids, not, you know, and, and shouldn't be a problem for most other people. So while, while the testing that could have been done wasn't done um, because of political reasons and, and the treatments that weren't done because Dr. Fauci had patents and we didn't know this at the time, um, the, the wrong type of treatment was, was used um, was used and, and that led to the spread and, and really killing, killing millions worldwide and spreading this, this human um, immune deficiency causing retrovirus. So um, we see, you know, and, and of course, what, what Dr. Rossetti, um, my um, mentor and, and colleague of now 37 years, um, um, who discovered human disease causing retroviruses um, while we were in the laboratory then, um, you know, um, confirming Luc Montagnier's work. Um, <clears throat> what Dr. Rossetti said, it's ridiculous. Retroviruses don't know if you're a woman, you're a child, you're a, you know, so. And, and of course, what happened then, the, the sad thing about what happened then is um, we, we had the, the realization, um, Arthur Ashe, Ryan White, the, the hemophiliac child. So, and, and the realization that these viruses were spread through a contaminated blood supply. And so now, and as, as our work proceeded in, in looking in, at other, um, what were clearly retroviral associated diseases like to clear to us chronic fatigue syndrome, um, um, many of the cases of autism, cancers, leukemias, lymphomas, uh, associated um, with with retroviruses and and we discovered uh, um, the first human gamma retrovirus family of retroviruses known then as XMRVs uh, and isolated those in 2009 so they're XMRVs because they're xenotropic they're not found in mice they're found in humans so murine leukemia virus is the M um, XM um, mouse cancer-causing virus, um, related virus. And so here you've got something named very badly, but not 
not based on its phylogeny, based on where the, the discoverers who weren't virologists found the sequences in aggressive prostate cancers. So we looked for the signature of disease, which is again relevant to COVID-19, because we know many, many coronaviruses, there are many coronaviruses in the world, and, and, and they're largely non-pathogenic, and they're, they're, they're not pathogenic, um, highly pathogenic, because they don't cause this inflammatory signature of disease um, that suggests the immune system out of control, that can't be regulated. And so this was our work for you know the last four decades, Dr. Rossetti and I. And so again, we're being led down a path where you know, it, we learned in 1991 that you could have HIV and never get AIDS. And so if you employ, employ the, the right treatments at the right time, then you stop the replication of the virus, you stop the reservoirs, you stop the immune destruction. Um, and, and, and that could easily have been done in the case of SARS-CoV-2 with the simple type one interferon at very low dose, which has 40 years of research and, and more. Um, I developed the first, I was part of the team that first used the in immune therapy of purified type one interferon alpha and used it as a curative therapy for um, a leukemia. And so um, that research has proceeded um, for years uh, decades um, and 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 the the Food and Drug Administration literally said you can't use that in 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 preventing coronaviruses from jumping from animals. It's a simple food. It's a simple spray. We have it on the shelf now. Um, made by Merck and Merck discontinued its use. Well, why would you do that if that was the frontline treatment for prevention? Interferon alpha is your, your, your body's own best antiviral against coronaviruses and retroviruses and others. Well, that's interesting. Was, yeah. I definitely want to dive deeply into that, but before we go and, and focus on it, I just want to clean up in the, your work with the XMRV. Uh, because that's really uh, what got you into big problems. You published a major uh, paper on this in Science, one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world, which eventually, I believe, got retracted and got you fired, and essentially a, a whole panoply of different events that wound up getting you uh, charges, and I think you were thrown in jail, and you all, this is all documented in your book, Plague. And, right. uh, you know, it's just a sad story, but it largely all related to your commitment to the truth and integrity and wanting to do the right thing. And it's just an, a, a, an amazing example of a science, scientist who, who are committed to, to this with this behavior typically wind up getting not ostracized, but uh, penalized from the scientific community and, it's, and essentially ostracized because now there's no university that will hire you. Right, and, and there's no research done. So not only me, and, and really not about me, and, and um, this is what I know, but worse than everything that was done, when we wouldn't renounce the data, when, we would, when the data continued to come up to say the XMRVs were not only in 
people with chronic fatigue associated highly significantly strong with populations of chronic fatigue syndrome. But, you know, then autism, then the, uh, again, what it brought up, then cancers, 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 and, it, and, and um, autoimmune diseases, Lou Gehrig's diseases are associated with retroviruses. And then it brought up not, and, and our work in 2011 said, heavily contaminated blood supply. And so then it was clear to other investigators, my former colleagues in HIV, that the most frequently used tissues where we use mouse and, 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 and have mouse tissues used in biological therapies um, is vaccines. And so the vaccines contain animal cell lines. It became clear in 2011 that um, these viruses had adapted to become aerosolized. That is, you've got a contagious, you know, new family. I call them gamma retroviruses because um, birds have gamma retroviruses. There are gamma retroviruses in other animals. And some of our work showed the many, many, many strains. And one of those strains was related to monkeys. And so that Vero monkey kidney cell line and from which, and, and Fort Detrick, which was where our National Cancer Institute lab was and where the USAMRID facility is that originally gave the Wuhan labs the, um, the, the um, cell line Vero E6 for growing the coronaviruses. So that cell line listed in that 2015 paper with the North right. Carolina researchers and everything funded by Tony Fauci, that came from the lab. So you see the, the in Fort Detrick, which is, and Vero monkey kidney cells are in our polio vaccines. And, um, and our original polio vaccines, as you know, and as Bobby um, um, relayed so beautifully in that, uh, in that forward, um, were, were passed through mice brains. We didn't have cell lines in the 30s, and that's chapter five of our original case, the ori of our, our, our book Plague, the original cases of um, chronic fatigue syndrome and autism in America, and how this, we call it nosocomial spread through the lab workers, through the hospital caretakers when, when a susceptible individual is infected. And that's why the family studies we did in all of this um, were so important. So yes, the patterns that were coming up. So the, the answer was always no, not cover it up. So when we didn't cover it up and, and the blood supply in 2010, I presented work at a XMRV workshop held at NIH where international workers came from around the world laboratories where they were finding some of those other disease association and the information that the spread was much much wider than anticipated. It wasn't just 3 million people with um, this disease um, called chronic fatigue syndrome, which didn't get much attention and, and was considered you're just crazy and you're tired. One of the worst things you can be in America is tired, you know, and, and it's so much more than tired in the pathogenesis, as we know. So just as in the 80s, oh, it's the bad behavior of the gays in, in, in the 80s when the first case in, in when the first cases of chronic fatigue syndrome came up, it was the 
It was the behavior. It was a cultural stigma to have chronic fatigue syndrome. And it was named that way by the federal government. It's actually myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is a serious inflammation of the brain and spinal cord and, and absolutely associated with gamma retroviruses and the XMRVs of many strains. So the patterns um, are the same as far as the science goes, and the patterns are the same as far as the political corruption, the plague of corruption in covering up that data, because when the blood supply in, in 1991, at the height of HIV in our country, it was 1 million Americans. Our work through from 2009 to 2011, after our paper was published for the next two years, it was up to 25 to 30 million Americans were um, had XMRVs, gamma retroviruses, not just XMRVs, but other gamma retroviruses like those monkey viruses that are in the phylogeny. That's too much for this kind of talk. But um, in in um, uh, and and the government couldn't afford it. The, the, the lovely um, intro, uh, the forward to the plague was written, um, it, the title of that by Hillary Johnson is called A Disease to Affect the Economy of Nations. So when I reported at NIH on September 7, 6, 2000, uh, sorry, yeah, 2010, um, yeah. September 6 at the, at the first and last XMRB workshop, um, Francis Collins sat in the front row and the, the negative controls in our study was 4%. And he said, where'd you get the negative controls? And I said, from our colleague, and I won't use his name, in London, from the London blood supplies, because these were, these were samples that were, were, were taken from a large disease cohort with ME in London and Ireland and, and the UK, largely. So he ordered, he directed um, Tony Fauci to do a very wide blinded study um, and, and, and determine if, if these viruses were indeed um, important and associated with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And, and that, um, you know, that study literally was, um, it was, it was run by Ian Lipkin as the senior investigator. And it was, it, it was called a multi-centered blinded analysis. And this was um, Tony Fauci perpetrated fraud. So the study was actually started not until after I was fired um, and and it was the it was the the the, the fire that my termination um, and and my arrest two months later um, was the attempt to cover up the data. So um, um, my laboratory was shut down. My staff was shut out of it, and all of our computers and data confiscated over thirty years. And, and this was directed by Tony Fauci and the institute where I worked, where he funded our studies for almost $5 million in the DOD as well in Gulf War syndrome. Um, though, you know, uh, the, he, he threatened the withdrawal of all of the funding um, from the institution. Um, if, and, and, and again, if it, because I refused to say nothing. So this study, this multi-center study that 
that um, Francis Collins directed and the study design was set on the MBIO multi-centered study. Um, again, it said a multi-center blinded analysis indicates no association of any of the members, the xenotropic the, or polytropic human uh, or gamma retroviruses, um, and Shai-Shing Lo and, um, and Harvey Alter confirmed our study and found the same family of viruses in CFS and published that, or tried to in 2010. That publication was held up in press until the CDC and, and uh, could come up with a negative study, which said, oh no, it's no problem. And they, and they, they, they call that study too. So we're seeing the same kind of patterns we saw from NIAID and the CDC and corruption with William Thompson and the fraud in autism, MMR doesn't cause autism with um, Andy Wakefield in early 2001. And, and these patterns are very clear because it's destroy the investigator. So I was fired, a crime fabricated. I, when I wouldn't renounce the data, when I wouldn't be William Thompson and have a, a data burning party and, and keep my job for 20 years and shut up while, while a st a statistics were applied to the, to the study to make them go away and, and the most vulnerable were removed from the study. Um, um, I, that's, that's when I was arrested, locked out of my laboratories, all the data taken. And, um, and that's a, a long story from the book. But what's important about this multi-centered study is they, the Ian Lipkin and, um, and use the exact same techniques. That is remove all of the patient populations who were the, the ones likely to have the virus. So in the case of, and so the, the clinicians in the study weren't allowed to use anyone who had um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, who had any other kinds of chronic infections, the kind of opportunistic infections that were clearly associated um, with the sickest patient populations with XMRV, except for one patient population, and that was Jose Montoya. And so that at Stanford. And um, Jose Montoya's patient population very much had had the right patients. And so when we got positives, when I was I was locked out of the lab and Tony Fauci said I could participate in the confirmation study in the and yet I couldn't go in an NIH lab. I'm locked, I couldn't go in my former laboratory. So I'm doing virology by telephone. And so this is the this is the, the big problem. And then with with all of that, I literally talked to Frank Rossetti and he's like, is this what I'm supposed to see, Judy? And he's taking pictures from the microscope. And I'm like, that's it. Harvest it now. Well, what else was done to, and we're isolating the virus, which is what we did in our original paper. People weren't considered positive unless they had at least two out of three positive assays. Proteins, isolation, um, um, nucleic acid, PCR, or um, serology. Do they have an antibody? So it was the most rigorous study ever. And, and still there was 67% positive and almost 4% if, if the right patient populations were used. And this is just 
huge because this is what we're seeing now in the COVID-19 and, 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 and the plague of corruption surrounding it. At any rate, so when we got positive against all odds, as soon as that Stanford cohort, and it was the last cohort to come into the study, Tony Fauci stopped the study, said it's all contamination. It's all contamination. Um, you can, um, you know, and, and he stopped the study in a pl and told Ian Lipkin to we're stop wasting NIH money. Um, and, uh, and Ian Lipkin applied a statistical program to make the data go away, just as they did in the MMR st um, studies that with William Thompson that have been used and, um, you know, to cover up tens of millions injured um, by MMR vaccine. At, at any rate, so this is, you know, now this paper is published a full year after I'm, um, after I'm fired in 2012. And in 2013, Ian Lipkin admits on tape publicly that in fact, Jose Montoya's population was 86% positive and up to 7% positive. So we would have found an association and we were lied to by both Tony Fauci and my name's on the paper again when I could not fully participate. But we were told when they stopped the study that all of the cohorts were equally represented. And yet in the negative controls, 8%. 8% was the, the control population. So there was 8% in the, in, the, in the patients and 8% in control. That's still 30 million Americans. And that study wasn't published as, as um, we still have a problem, folks, even if there's no association. There's a, there's a family of gamma retroviruses, um, most likely co contaminated blood supply and vaccines that are still to this day, almost 10 years later, being injected. We don't need an infectious virus if you inject the blueprint, if you inject the provirus. And I believe, and I think there's a lot of data to support COVID-19 is not SARS-CoV-2 alone, and that yep. it's SARS-CoV-2 and X XMRVs, HGRVs, and, and, and including human gamma retroviruses and HIVs. And those are the people that are dying, and those are the symptoms we're seeing. We've got to discuss that. So thank you for yeah. sharing that background and uh, making it very clear, abundantly clear, that you're one of the most well-qualified people on the planet to discuss this. And I definitely want to dive deep into the diagnosis because there's a lot of confusion about the testing with the reverse transcriptase PCRs and the antibody test and, and actually isolating the virus. So hopefully you can clear up some of that confusion. But uh, there's, so maybe we can start there now. And I definitely want to dive into the association with XMRV and, and SARS-CoV-2. Uh, but where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start the testing? Or do you want to start with the, the similarities between the viruses? Well, I think I think the place to go is the testing. Okay. Um, uh, and Good. the reason you, you, for that, and you're so qualified for that because there's a lot of confusion. So help clear up the confusion on this because, you know, there's and the re, let me just state that one of the reasons why it's such an important issue is because they're using this to game the statistics, to scare us, to put fear of God in the population, and to use it as a justification for putting everyone under house arrest and shutting down the economy. Because they're, they're, are, they're not doing randomized sample and the test with the flawed test, which you're going to discuss. And so the, the, the denominator is falsely low. And 
they're, they're, they're faking the diagnosis. They're not even using tests. There's many, they're, they're just giving directions to physicians to identify people as COVID-19 uh, without any testing. So they're, right. the, the, the numerator is inflated and, they're, and they're not, they're, it's just crazy. They're, they're, right. they're gaining it from both angles. So I'll, I'll let you have it. In, in yeah. So, so that's the start is, and, and we heard um, Deborah Burke say, oh, we're taking a very liberal approach to this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it helps your numerator, <laughs> you know, yeah. as, as far as that goes. So you were taking a very liberal approach to this. Um, and, and it really does matter because, um, you know, there are hundreds of, if not thousands of microbial and viral causes of upper respiratory infections. So let's start with the test there. So what are we doing in this one? Well, we're taking, we're, we're, we're taking a swab and scraping some epithelial cells because that's what coronaviruses infect. The epithelial cells in the sinuses and the nasal passages is they're the coolest parts of the body, allowing the virus to get into the cell and um, and replicate itself. A virus must have a cell to grow in. So we take, we scrape a few um, yeah, epithelial cells in the throat. We get a little RNA because it's an RNA virus. We reverse transcribe that, meaning write it backwards with enzymes in the lab. And then we amplify it. It's called PCR, polymerase chain reaction. We amplify it um, uh, zillions of times. And we're only taking a piece of the virus. We're not taking the whole virus because, and, and it's just the conserved pieces across coronaviruses and the novel piece across, you know, of this particular virus. And I, I'm not privy to what the test actually looked like. So the first thing about that test is, um, let's just say it was admitted by the FDA and the CDC that the tests that were put out by the CDC were contaminated. Yes. New York Times just ran that article Sunday, yes. Correct. And so, and when you amplify something a million times um, or 10 million times, whatever they do in the 30 cycles or so, they amplify it. Um, it's logarithmic. Um, that, that RNA um, then, um, you know, is is way overestimated as far as there's no particle that was identified or isolated from your saliva, from your nasal passages. Nobody took the um, secretions from your nose or your mouth and isolated the viruses. That's why I said that when we first started talking. That's what I did for HIV in, in, in <laughs> let's see, what, 1983. I isolated it from saliva. And what you do is you take the virus and you put it, you grow it in a human cell, in a cell line, in a, an appropriate cell line, and you make many copies. That means you have that virus. And then you sequence the whole virus. A PCR um, can give you a lot of false positives. And, and really, that was at the heart of the complaints in the retraction of our paper was because Bob Silverman had it had um, first described XMRVs as sequences in the genome in prostate cancer patients with a specific defect in their type one interferon pathway in their ability to grade to, to break down RNA viruses. So he only had PCR. 
we isolated the virus. We showed the people that had the infection had antibodies, that they had been fully exposed, that it was not a piece of nucleic acid in a prostate biopsy or in their throat or in their nose. That's not a virus. And it's certainly not infectious. So if that RNA is there and in the tiniest amount, I'm not going to cough it on somebody, especially if I'm not coughing. I'm not going to breathe that on somebody because there's no evidence of an infectious virus. So wearing a mask is going to, is going to cause more secretions and give more cells a home and amplify any viruses. It's immune suppressive. It's going to take away my type one interferons. You know, Wait, this, is what, this is what wearing a mask does? That's, yeah. there's, there's a negative there's a negative side effect of wearing a mask. This is never disclosed. You're driving the infection in yourself and you're wow. not preventing the spread. You're amplifying not just that one, but many others, including your XMRVs or your uh, influenzas or other dormant EBV, dormant viruses. Who keeps those dormant viruses dormant? Your natural killer cells, your mast cells, your, your, your macrophages. That's where you're getting the inflammatory signature. So every virus you amplify is driving the inflammatory signature and you're going to get sick. So it doesn't have to be SARS-CoV-2 at all. You're making yourself sick. And it's, it's, it's insanity. Um, and, and, and you're not preventing anybody else from getting infected unless you were, um, I won't say stupid, unless you were, <laughs> unless you were um, incited or, or made afraid to get an influenza vaccine. So that's, you're giving yourself at least three live attenuated um, influenza viruses. Again, depleting your type one interferon responses. You're shedding those viruses into a mask. <laughs> so you're going to get sicker. If you're shedding them into the air, you're going to make somebody else get another upper respiratory infection that's going to allow another a coronavirus to make you sicker. And you will register as positive in any of these tests because the influenza vaccines made in, the, the ones in the US were made in chicken cells. The one they used in Italy had four influenza viruses, including H1N1, a highly pathogenic strain. So you're, you're literally telling your immune system to turn away from everything else and go towards getting rid of those influenza viruses. And they're grown in dog kidney cells in the case of the Italian vaccine. So why are the Italians so sick? Oh, because they got the super duper, um, flu vaccine and and dog kidney cells have coronaviruses so you're bringing in the same thing so i don't believe it's infection from without i believe the spread across 190 countries is from injection and and there's enough evidence to support that there are at least three papers injection what, injection from where the flu vaccine yeah and there's a paper that showed you're 36% more likely to get coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2 infection in, in, if you got um, the influenza vaccine in 2017 through in 18. And that's a paper. Wow, that you'll have published. to give me that paper. I have not seen that. I will. 
That is crazy. Absolutely. Crazy. I'm not, this is not known. I mean, I, I've been seeking to diligently review all the material on this. I've never encountered this information, but this is breaking information. So, so you're the PCR what, do you want to finish up the, do you want to finish up yeah. the testing first? Yeah. Because we, there's a lot of material to yeah. cover here. So because, the PCR. So what's, your, what's your strategy? Would you do, would you do uh, a culture or, or would you have some other uh, uh, test for antibodies? I mean, what, what process would you? Implement? Well, what should have been done is the test for antibodies. Um, but now I see politically how the government and, and, and those with conflicted interests are actually skewing the results of those tests. And, and I know you know enough immunology as, as it's immunology 101. So what we're told, what should have been done in the beginning and was done in, in South Korea is, um, is use an antibody test for, um, for SARS-CoV-2, and that will give you IgG, meaning it's a past infection, and you've developed a strong immune response and an immunological memory. That you, If you see that infection again, you will have a response that will keep you from developing severe COVID-19, coronavirus infectious disease from that infection. Um, and so the IgM is a recent infection, not necessarily a memory response, but, but, but gives you more information on how long those viruses have been in our country, in our world, and have spread through because simply the information that the first case came from a seafood market in Wuhan, China makes no sense at all. and spread to uh, uh, 190 countries overnight. And, or, or in two months. This is just not epidemiology. And epidemiology is not done with PCR. And in fact, you know, Carrie Mullis, who invented PCR, Nobel laureate, and others said PCR was never intended for diagnostic testing. So that finishes, puts that to bed. So the government denied, the FDA denied the use of private, independent people. You know, it takes nothing. We all have these, it, it takes nothing to develop a really good serology test. We had a really good serology test in, um, in, in our original paper and and in in the in the patients with um, XMRV. So, so mecha mechanically, does this take take a few weeks? It doesn't like doesn't take a long lead time to develop that test. No, no, it's it's it. it I mean, yeah, a few weeks. It's it's pretty easy because all you do is the the people who have recovered, um, you know, have antibodies. And so you isolate those antibodies, you, you take their plasma, you, you purify the antibodies, this is, um, and then you can grow them up, and then you develop the test, which, which shows you it's usually ELISA or Western blot. And so, you know, is the protein there and the antibody binds and you form an immune complex and you detect it with a, with a dye. You can do that test in, with a finger stick. And yeah. as, so as, that is a test that should be implemented if, we're, if you want to get real data that's the truth. Correct. And it should have been implemented. Both the IgG and the IgM? Yeah, they do in the same test. And it okay. takes 15 minutes to get the answer, almost like a pregnancy test. Well, yeah. we had that test available at the end of 2019, and, and it could have been purchased, they call it point of care. You could mm -hmm. go to the drugstore and buy it to see if you're infected. But the FDA then you said, no, you can't do that. And they put it behind the, the We want to use our contaminated, coronavirus contaminated PCR test, which is worthless for this. Correct. 
and, oh. and, and more than worthless, um, you know, is set forth this panic and the fear you di we discussed earlier. Well, I, my guess and many others is that this was not uh, accidental. This was intentional. Correct. Yeah. And, and the FDA has done that intentionally in keeping hydroxychloroquine, in keeping interferon alpha, as we just discussed, and not doing the correct testing. Um, so, and the privacy issues. So I wouldn't get any tests right now. I'd simply, you know, drink hot, you know, wash my hands, drink hot lemon water as I always do in, in a, uh, for any flu season or influenza season because of the privacy issues. So when, you know, that you, you can discuss, you know, there that as people are fearful enough to go get that PCR test where 80% of them were false positives that again, cook the books on the numbers of who who's really infected and, and, and who's really at risk and in spreading infections is a bad thing. So the antibody test should have been done. It, it wasn't. It is now, but uh, again, it, uh, most people are still well, immune and they're misrepresenting that test. Yeah, that is, thank you for clearing that up. That was huge. But you've, <laughs> you've uncovered two other massive issues that are areas of awareness that virtually no one understands. And we'd need to dive deeply into those. And that is, uh, let's expand on your, your presence in the Epoch Times documentary, uh, which was an hour, to basically the story and the backstory of how this virus was engineered. You referenced that, that what we know now that it has a, a protein from HIV, I think it's the envelope protein, the GP41 that's Correct. in there. And uh, then it's also got SARS, which was, seems to be engineered. And I mean, the, and these the studies that they cited were, I mean, all the way back from Dr. Xi in 2010, 2010, five years before the 2015 uh, North Carolina study. So she's been working on this a long time. So yeah. she's at the Wuhan Virology Lab. So um, tell us the story from your perspective of how this was put together and then, then put, integrate that into the fact that this was in... This was put into the previous flu vaccines. I mean, this is, you're putting all the pieces together now. Right. And, and it's really just, it's not put together as in cut and paste, which we call, um, let's see, we call it. Uh, like well, CRISPR. The, the CRISPR. CRISPR yeah, well, there's, there's CRISPR, but there's also um, simply pseudotyping. That's when you, when you take, you express the envelope of, let's just say H HIV, because that was what was found, both GP120. Um, and then later, that paper was forced, the investigators from India were forced to retract that paper that was in that documentary mm -hmm. on March 5th. But I knew that our colleague, um, Luc Montagnier, the Nobel laureate, had similar data and also had found... Um, had found um, uh, GP41, which is the transmembrane domain. So it's important because people say, well, she said GP1 41 and the paper said 120 well and and then it also had the the uh the the folks from india also had gag that's kind of structural proteins so that gives you a little bit of clue that it wasn't a crispr technique or a pseudotyping where the envelope was expressed in in a gene you know in in gene therapy type of way but what it was done what was done is the envelope it was the virus was acquired as they grew SARS-CoV-2 in Vero E6 cells. 
So the monkey kidney cells where you get HIV. Simian immune deficiency virus was the origin. And we were told all the way back in the 80s that somebody forgot to cook their food in Africa and a few promiscuous men spread this virus around the world. So you can see again the patterns of the lies and of what people believe. So I believe it was simply in the data support because if it were CRISPR, you wouldn't put the gag okay. sequences in there. All right. So, so the technique is, is not really that crucial, but I'm curious if you could explain why they would want to do that. What, what purpose does putting an envelope protein from HIV into this virus do? Does it increase the infectivity rate? No, it doesn't Absolutely. increase the increase it impairs the immune system, I would suspect. Yeah. Absolutely. The first yeah. thing is with SARS-CoV-2, you must grow a virus to, to make a lot of it. So you grow it in cell lines. You don't, you know, they didn't take it from the bat and it jumped into a human. It, it normally goes through another cell, a monkey, a, a smaller animal, a monkey, or, or a, 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 another species. Um, they, they call them civet, C-I-V-E-T, and I don't know what that, I'm not a zoologist. So a small animal. So the cell line that supports the growth and expansion is a monkey kidney cells. So you've got, so for what purpose, maybe it's, it's, it's not engineered at all. And it wasn't, I wouldn't use the term put there, but yes, the, the end result is now you don't only infect the, the epithelial cells of the lungs, you infect the white blood cells, you infect the, the immune cells. You, we see the splenomegalies in, in large spleens. We're seeing penias, cytopenias. We're losing cells like HIV killed T cells. And that's why we started there. So, so it's got not only an expanded host range, but disease symptoms that make no sense for a coronavirus. Hence, we're killing people because they're treating an upper respiratory infection and you're getting that inflammatory disease signature because you're infecting the very innate immune response, the macrophages, the monocytes, the natural killer cells, the T cells. That's a, and it's primarily the T cells and the macrophages because that's where HIV 120 in GP um, 2041, uh, you know, those are the cells they infect through CCR5 in the CD4 receptor. So now you're going to lose your adaptive immune response. You're going to drive the inflammation, the fire higher, and that's, it's the fire that does the tissue damage. So to what purpose? Yes, it makes it far more pathogenic. So part there's up there's a lot of other elements to the pathogenicity, and one of them right. is the construction of the spike proteins which bind to the ACE2 receptors. Right. So it, it appears that that you know from the papers that in the Epoch Times documentary that that was engineered. So right. can you comment on that? And I think you even you even you even gave a little uh, yeah comment in the in the documentary. I, I did comment on it. Yes, clearly this came from SARS the original SARS, which also infects through the ACE recipient, sorry, receptors. And, uh, and um, there's, there are some single point mutations there that make it far more infectious, easier to spread. And how those were acquired, nobody really, you know, can say because in, in the studies that have been done so far, and this is where people get, um, caught in the weeds because they all, we've, we've got an infection that has gone through 
um, many different hosts, many different environments, um, Switzerland, Sweden, 190 countries where the immune responses are clearly different. There are different susceptibilities and things like that in, 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 in different people, which is what we've learned over, over the decades. Um, so those, those things change a virus. Every time the virus div divides and infects a new person, it's by definition changed. I call it the Heisenberg uncertainty principle of, of biology. When you measure it, you change it. When you grow it, you change it by definition. So I don't like to say engineered. And at this point, um, so few sequences have, so, so few viruses have been fully sequenced and even more, even less so on March 5th to where they can, you can start saying, well, it's not bad and it's not bad and you're crazy because there's no evidence of that. So until we, and this was also a problem in the XMRVs, you know, and, and in the last talk I gave, you know, I had a lot of sequences and I showed the variation and I showed the protein variation, which changes the host infection. And so what, what, what Science the Journal wrote on September 29th was she said she'll have her new sequences in a few weeks. They were in my desk drawer. September 29th was the day my lab was locked down and nobody could ever see those sequences again. So the people that are controlling the conversation are controlling the sequences. And, and as Dr. Rossetti said to me last week, it doesn't matter, we can treat it. So the origins don't matter beyond the corruption and the collusion between and in the in the um in the documentary it was only said to be the the chinese communist party well does that make tony fauci part of the chinese communist party um because he he funded the studies and so i'm not inciting some kind of you know hate of china and let's all go you know i'm not a political person um i, I guess i should have been a lot <laughs> earlier in my life or this might not have happened, I might have understood. I, as Kentekin Lively calls me, um, I'm like Forrest Gump. I just, you know, I just go where the data shows me to go and we don't cover it up. So it, right now we have treatments and, that, and those are being prevented. Well, before, we, before we go to the treatments, let's go to the other modification that's been commented on in, in conjunction with the chairman of the Harvard's Department of Chemistry, Charles Lieber, who was arrested late last year. He's a, uh, an expert in nanosciences and was given an, uh, a multi-million dollar grant from China and, and NIH grants or, or was paid by being paid cross paid, which is why the federal government arrested him yeah. and he didn't disclose it. And Harvard claims they didn't know what was going on, which was probably not true. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, his, his expert, he's been, he was there for eight or nine years. Uh, right. And literally, was getting like fifty thousand dollars a month as a, as a salary. So right. his expertise was nanoscience. So how does that fit into the picture? Did, was it done? Did, how did that integrate into the process? Was ah. it able to aerosolize it or uh, for transmission? Or what, right. what's your thoughts on that? Correct. Both aerosolized it for transmission. A lot more transmissed than 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 a normal coronavirus. So they 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 are aerosolized. Um, but the nano further increases the host range. So now you can go in every cell. So now you can go across the blood-brain barrier. That's nano. Um, now, now you can. You don't need a receptor. So you've wow. aerosolized it. You can breathe it. You can. It can go into your um, every cell of the body. You don't need the gatekeeper. You don't need the receptor. You don't need the lock and key. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So now, now can you tie this all together and uh, into the amazing fact you revealed earlier where this was actually in the, the earlier flu vaccines? So how did that connect? Because I've, I've never heard that connection before. Uh, because um, they're grown in animal cells and, and because they, they have some of the same host pro, they're, uh, viral proteins in, in lock and keys. Um, and, and as they're floating through the laboratory where you're growing up in large stocks of these cells, aerosolizing them, it contaminates and cross-contaminates through the air. And this is found, you know, and so what do most people get? Oh, they get a flu vaccine. So if those vaccines, and this is what we found in 2011, the big, oh my God, was we can't afford to retrofit our laboratories uh, and our manufacturing facilities towards biosafety level three and four to protect the lab workers who are spreading these viruses, getting infected, and now they're aerosolized. We've got contagious cancer viruses. And all the cell lines are contaminated. How, how, how do you speculate that the coronavirus got into the flu vaccine manufacturing facility? Um, if they're using the same cell lines that are, that are, um, that are used so the, to- grow. The cell lines were contaminated. Yeah, the cell lines can contaminate it in, in our paper, in papers work that was done, which was what finally they shut me down, us down in, in two, oh. because it how was- did, How did those cell lines get contaminated? Was it well, just- be- By the air. In only two weeks, if you take an incubator so so and they you may- put one cell and you put the other, they cross-contaminate through the air in only two weeks. So just the act of housing them in the same incubator Okay, so it, I, the, it sounds like the problem started when they're creating the cell lines, where they're not making the, vi- the vaccines. They're making the Correct. cell lines to grow Correct. the vaccines so they sell to another company to make the vaccines. Correct. So that, and that, do, do you speculate this was intentional or was this accidental? I, I don't think it's intentional. I, I never did because we're not God. We're, we're not. Um, but, but, but simply, and this is, what, this is what our book, Plague of Corruption, really the message of it is. So the message of plague of corruption is we can't mix animal and human tissues, not just, you know, not just uh, coronaviruses, but the infectious retroviruses. We are injecting lots and lots and lots of animal tissue, fetal tissue into humans, and we're creating novel viruses all the time, even within the individual or family. Okay. So let's go back to this original pandemic that the World Health Organization declared earlier this year, uh, which appears to have started in Wuhan. And, you know, most people don't, aren't aware that they think that Wuhan is a small city in China, but, or town, but it's, it's bigger than New York City. Correct. I mean, it's huge. So it started there. Obviously, you, you, you and we've, we've previously discussed that it was not zoonotically transmitted. So how do you think it's started there i mean was do you think it was accidental release from the the biosafety level four lab in wuhan accidentally or i mean what 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 catalyzed the start of this pandemic i do think um i i do think um uh the um accidental release at the and the data that supports that is there was um there were um 
there were safety violations. Both the Fort Detrick biosafety level four, where the research was also being done, the same cell lines are there, and Wuhan facility had safety concerns. So released into the water supply is a big one, and there's evidence that there are pieces of the virus. There's evidence of the virus in, in some water supply, which of course, that's how it could get to a market nearby. Um, and again, most of my work is from, you know, Fort Detrick, which is a similar facility in a not small place. And there, that lab was- Which is, which is also biosafety level four lab too, right? There's not many in the world. There's just a handful, right? Correct. It's USAMRID. Yeah, there are only maybe four or five. I think there are more than that now, but U.S. Army Research Institute of Infectious Disease, that biosafety level four facility. I worked from maybe 94 to 99 um, with Ebola in that facility. And um, it's that Ebola that is now contagious, that Zaire strain, that Ebola strain caused the um, 21 thousand Liberians to die in 2014. And it's clear that strain was was contagious now, that is, it could spread through the air. So the, the labs had safety violations. So yes, release from the labs. So there was evidence that the labs weren't weren't secure, that things and, could have escaped. And you've and from the time you worked in that lab, you observed personally observed that there was frequently violations. So it's no surprise that this would happen. No, yeah, it's no surprise that this could happen. Um, I don't know that I personally observed violations in 1999, but a colleague who still works there, the government closed it, that USAMRID lab in 2019 for several months, severe safety, 2019. Well, how did this escape to the United States? How did it, as you mentioned, um, you know, Harvard, as you mentioned, um, we know North Carolina, they're working with it. The way they work with it together is they send the cell line through the mail. You know, (laughs) yeah. That's, that's how well, we Well, in conjunction with Libra's arrest, there was also some Chinese nationals that were arrested too that had caught with, were caught with vials that sure. they claimed for cancer research, which is probably contaminated cells. So. Yeah, they're the cell lines you're growing the virus. Not contaminated, you're growing it there. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I... <laughs> oh. And you're not allowed on planes with that stuff. No, no. no a lot of laws being broken here. Yeah, so I, I guess another issue that I'd like you to comment on, because I mean, we've got this, so many different just what points, the directions that we can go in this, but there, the, this virus appears to be more dangerous than a typical flu virus, because we've got a, lot, a slightly larger number of people dying from it, and surprisingly younger people. Uh, which admittedly comorbidities like obesity or hypertension, diabetes, uh, if they're younger, but uh, most of them still are elderly. But it appears to have attacked more individuals, even factoring out the inflated numbers. So do you have any explanation for that? It's because of the, the engineering with the HIV envelope proteins? Um, well, in, in part that, but, but, but worse than that, and I would, I would disagree with you, and, and that's where we go all the way back to the beginning. The okay. first lie is this is the causative agent. Okay. Well, I, listen, I don't claim to know. You're the expert, not me. Well, that's why I'm going back to the beginning. Yeah. So a single cause. 
This, the, it's, call, it's called, SARS-CoV-2 is called the causative agent of COVID-19. Oh, yes. You mentioned virus that. infectious disease. No single virus, you know, is a causative agent. And how do we know that? Well, what are we told? Oh, there are many people who are infected who get no disease at all or who get a very mild flu. Um, and, and so why the pathogenicity? Why the severity of the people? And, and yes, it's looking like, a, 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 you know, a, um, that the HIV sequences um, have something to do with that. But that's too simplistic an answer because... Um, the HIV sequences aren't necessarily in every strain. And as um, uh, Luc Montagnier related last week, <laughs> the viruses can lose those <clears throat> because they, they can go away from the coronavirus. So just uh, assuming, um, you know, the infection and the methods that are, are, are used amplify the gamma retroviruses, the XMRVs, they wake them up and now you're sick with another virus causing the disease signature. The disease signature that we published um, for XMRVs and CFS patients, it's a cytokine signature of disease and I'll make that one available to you as well as the viral interference paper we discussed for flu vaccines. That signature is exactly the signature of so-called SARS-CoV-2. Oh, so the, the hypothesis that is supported by a lot of clinical data right now is COVID-19 equals um, SARS-CoV-2 plus XMRVs or HGRVs because it's the wider, the monkey, um, you know, and, and again, influenza viruses. How about Borrelia? You know, mm -hmm. what else is in those cultures? So the chronic Lyme, um, Babesia, they always travel, as, as Dr. Klinghart will um, taught me a few years ago. When you see retroviruses, you always see Babesia. So we know the parasite drugs. Oh, why did they work on that? Because there are co-infections. So, so what do we do when we treat the co-infections? Ivermectin. Ivermectin. We've seen people say Ivermectin's working. We've seen, we, we know the, the, um, the hydroxychloroquine is great for parasites. We, we know that Z-Packs are helping the population. So it's what's carried into what the person already has. And, and, and I will argue that the higher death rate, even with inflating the numbers, is you're killing the, um, the, the people with chronic fatigue syndrome with the most vaccine injury, the Lyme, the um, cancer patients. I mean, um, we have two, I, I've said it, I mean, before, yeah, we're driving gastrointestinal tumors in some folks. So it's waking up. It's the, it's the, the, this, it's, it's AIDS. It's a, it's a acquired endocannabinoid immune deficiency. Because we're driving you, I've heard pain syndromes, the most severe pain I ever had. Oh, that's you know the the TRPs, the 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 cannabinoid receptors, and and some of the neuropathies you see in fibromyalgia pain. It's the the dimmer switch on the immune system is the endocannabinoid system. So when you open your mind and you aren't kept in this little box, then you can actually see that nothing makes any sense. 
for cytopenias, for splenomegaly, for thrombosis, deep vein thrombosis, you know, that's radiation toxicity, that's dehydration, that's um, red blood cell defects that we've heard about with ferritin. So ferritin in the, um, in the blood will, will again, over 3000 is a biomarker for that that cytokine storm that is attributed to SARS-CoV-2. So if you don't see the cytokine signature of disease, the inflammatory signature of disease, you don't have disease and you may still have the infection and you and and, and you've cleared it or developed antibodies. So it when you when you think about what's being attributed to this one virus, that doesn't happen with coronaviruses. You don't have to go back to the structure and find the exact point mutation if you if you understand the biology of how these families of viruses cause disease and who the patients are. So that's the big crime calling everything. Um, COVID-19, because the people who are dying first are the XMRVs. And as I mentioned with this paper, Ian Lipkin and Tony Fauci, who covered that up, the 25 to 100 million Americans infected with mouse and other gamma retroviruses um, and other retroviruses acquired from contaminated vaccines in a contaminated blood supply heavily contaminated, um, you know, there in 2011, um, these are going to be the people who die. And you're burying them without an autopsy. I'd argue very few people around the world actually died from SARS-CoV-2. And I want to see the lungs. I want to see the virus, the electron micrograph, the proteins, the whopping proteins we showed in the paper of the sickest. And so, yes, if you've done all those other things and you choke off the, uh, the upper respiratory and you can't breathe, um, you know, air hunger is described in chronic Lyme. You know, so you give them oxygen, you use hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Yeah. You far better than, than ventilators. Correct, no far better than that, that would probably have saved 95% of the people just correct. to hyperbaric, yeah, and, easily. And easily, as well as glutathione. Oxidative yeah. stress. Why are you more at risk when you're in an airplane? Oh, you're in, up above the ozone layer. You're under oxidative stress. So you're waking up those dor dormant pathogens. You're not getting infections from those people on the plane. You're in radiation, plutonium, all the radiation in our world these days. That looks like some radiation damage that we would see in cancer patients is yeah. part of the issue. So if you're harboring a tumor right now, somebody calls it COVID 2 or wants to test you before they treat your breast cancer please just say no um, you know so this is this is the kind of horrific thing that's going on experimentation with people um, you know in this in this climate and it has nothing to do with public health all right so so your assertion is that because of the cytokine cytokine storm analysis your suspicion is that this is far more related to XMRV infection which you've done a lifetime of work on and that if you were and, and I suspect that there are, are there antibody tests or are those flawed too? Because I think you go into the story about how the testing for this was, there's a whole well, back. They, of they took all the sequences out of the gene bank and the only antibody test that worked was ours. Um, and no, nobody's allowed to, nobody's allowed to say XMR. We can't even test for it. Correct. Yeah, so you could, you could spin it up though, because you just showed, yeah. tell, told us earlier, it only takes a few weeks to do this. So if they I, want I made it, yeah. wanted the real, 
real deal, they could spin up the antibody test, but they yeah. can't. It's not commercially available now. We made it. We can give the, um, you know, it's right there in our original paper. Uh, somebody could make it around the world. And, yes. and, you know, of course, we could see the sequences and we could see the proteins. And that's just as good. And ELISA for the viral proteins. We have all of those reagents and all of those abilities. But of course, the government's never going to let you do that because it proves every word we've said for the last 10 years. And that's why. So Ian Lipkin funded, you know, was given a $34 million grant as soon as this paper published by Tony Fauci. And as soon as, you know, Mikevitz and Rossetti were, were, were put to pasture, so to speak, um, and, and careers ruined, everything came out of the gene bank. All the testing was stopped of any kind of test. Um, so if you're going to use the PCR for coronavirus, why don't you show me the PCR for XMRVs? all of them and you'll find a, a, a good association if we're going to use those tests uh, i can i can give you a great test for that as well but uh, again that's um you know and 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 ian lipkin funded epigenetic studies if um done in the wuhan lab and in um that were published in 2017. And, and again, a, a patient, Robin, shared that data with me yesterday, patient and friend in our original studies. And, and again, so they're just reinventing all of our work you know, coronaviruses don't have epigenetic dysregulation, retroviruses do. That was my paradigm shifting work of 1994 with Steve Balin. What does a retrovirus do to the methylation machinery? Why would people with epigenetic or methylation susceptibilities be more susceptible to a coronavirus? They wouldn't, but to a retrovirus, yes. We know that from all of your work and that of many others. So, um, and this was the paper that was published, you know, by Dr. Barrick, the North Carolina, the senior investigator, and funded to the tens of millions of dollars um, by that part of that $34 million that Tony Fauci paid Ian Lipkin for this fraud. Okay. So that is just spectacular information and, and just mind blowing. Actually, I was not expecting to un, to find to under, to uh, learn this today, but you also had the shared the surprise information about a treatment, interferon. So can you review what interferon is, how it works, how it's produced and and uh, manufactured, and 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 uh, what the treatment strategy would be? And well, it's history because uh, you know it would be good yeah, to. Primer. Yeah, so there, there are many interferons actually, um, but the type one interferons are part of the very innate immune response to viral infections. And so that's not interferon gamma, which is more a memory interferon response. So what we're thinking of right now is only the type one interferons um, in interferon alpha, interferon beta, and now they have like out to epsilon. And so, so we're appreciating different mucosal surfaces make type one interferon to shut down the replication. It just shuts down the replication of, um, of RNA viruses. Um, including retroviruses um, and coronaviruses. So um, the the instance that I can use from our laboratory studies and, and why this is important in chronic fatigue syndrome and in COVID-19, if it is 
an acquired immune deficiency from SARS, you know, SARS. SARS is an RNA virus, so it would activate the type one interferon pathway. You would produce interferon in your body at your mucosal surfaces, and it would stop the replication of the virus. It simply stops the replication of the virus. So the 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 drug um, known as Amplogen is is poly IC. So that's the danger signal from the virus that turns on the type one interferon pathway. Ninety seven percent of your type one interferon at um, uh, your type one interferon is made from plasmacytoid dendritic cells, a very specialized antigen presenting cell, primarily in your gut, in the bone marrow, in your uh, gut. Um, but that plasmacytoid dendritic cells and that interferon actually regulates or uh, uh, signals the B regulatory cells to make different subclasses of antibodies. So, so the interferons are not only important in shutting down transcription of the virus, but in driving your, in, in directing the kind of immune responses, your innate immune responses, the antibiotic body development. So we, um, that, that first interferon that I purified from humans there in the, um, in the National Cancer Institute in uh, 1980, um, was was manufactured and used in a lot of studies used way too high dose and and my co uh, my new friend joe cummins dr joe cummins a phd and a veterinary doctor did it you know 40 years of work um i i didn't do much interferon work until because i wanted to understand how retroviruses dysregulated that pathway and i did it at the level level of interferon gamma with the hypermethylation of interferon gamma so you wouldn't get a type 1 response um, in, in an infected person, a memory response, so you couldn't clear at that level. So my research went in a different direction, but, but Joe Cummins and, and many others there um, worldwide had been for a decade prior to um, my entry upon the scene, my graduation from college, um, uh, in animals and the ability of type 1 interferon at very, very low dose to be not only um, suppress the transmission, the jumping of species of coronaviruses and in animals, you could literally put it in their feed and keep your food, your animals healthy and stop the expression. It's not the presence of the virus, it's the expression of the virus. And so that, that, that leads to immune dysregulation. Keep it silent. That was my PhD thesis, so that changed everything. Keep the virus dormant by hypermethylation and silence of the promoter. And that's true in, in XMRVs as well, even more so. And you don't develop disease. That's what changed the paradigm. Treat early, prevent the reservoirs from gaining many, many, and, and stop the replication. So in, in what I just told you about plasmacytoid dendritic cells and type 1 interferon, there's a natural adjuvant. I'm telling you, it makes B cells make antibodies. It directs. So we could literally make a safe vaccine in a capsule if we put 
type one interferon, very low dose. This is Joe Cummins' work, and he gave me several beautiful reviews, which I'll send you last week. And I only just met Joe, um, I would say, a few months ago be, um, because he's uh, got a little advanced Parkinson's disease, and somebody that works with me in California is trying to take over, um, help him with his company so that his work doesn't um, stop. Um, but at any rate, the FDA stopped him from making that for animals and for and for and and for humans back in 1980 40 years ago so again we we come back to the same bad bad actors in this story of keeping us from understanding natural immune wellness so here you've got a natural adjuvant in type 1 interferon you could take a capsule with cannabinoids remember the dimmer switch on that inflammatory pathway is cannabinoids so you can block the inflammatory receptor known as cb2 um, cannabinoid receptor 2, that's the one that's more in the immune system and, and not associated with psychosis. Natural products like, um, like beta-carophyllin and others um, um, modulate that and, and keep down interleukin-6. So you could actually take you know, um, a capsule with, um, you know, anti, just a normal capsule, dissolve it at the appropriate pH in the gut and, and use type one interferons at that capsule in very low dose, put concentrated purified virus, coronavirus, retrovirus, any virus you want, use peptide T. That's the immunomodulator developed by Candace Pert and, and Frank Rossetti. I helped manufacture some of that in the lab. So peptide T will block the interaction of the virus with CCR5. It's your natural peptide that keeps the T cell, the cytopenias, from getting infected. Even if there's HIV there, it doesn't matter because we block that interaction. We've allowed the replication, but at a pH that only allows a few cycles. So you're going to get a natural infection away from the lungs where it doesn't do the damage into the immune cells, the hematopoietic stem cells. You'll, TGF beta will automatically through CB2, again, because you're modulating CB2, block, turn off that response. And, and you've got um, a memory response because you've got your antibodies, you're being made with sensitivity and specificity. And there's a publication on this with, it, with respect to blocking CB2 in the very young and the very old, in the compromise. So we could right now manufacture this in a facility, um, and I've volunteered to go isolate the virus because I'm not afraid of a virus. <laughs> <laughs> I have an immune system, and, and that's <laughs> So think what we could do for our vaccine program. Yeah. Yeah. No aluminum, no mercury, you know, yeah. no polysorbate 80, purify the virus away from other viruses, away from the retro. We know how to do that. And a capsule, a natural delivery, you're not injecting it by the immune response. And you activate cellular immunity too, not just humoral, like conventional vaccine. Because you'll get the adaptive immune response because you won't um, you won't damage the, the epigenetic machinery. We know how to do now, that. Is now, is the interferon a protein? Would there's a danger, yeah. be danger of that being denatured through the digestion process? Um, that's where, yes, it's a protein, but you only need 50, 50 to 200 units, very, very, very low dose. And so when you encapsulate it, and, the, and there's a... Um, 
uh, Dr. Chris Shade has developed a, a capsule and has a patent pending technology. Sure, nail liposome, sure. I work yeah, with Chris. Such that it dissolves exactly where you want it. So it's yeah. 100% absorbed. So this well, prevents- The nano liposomes prevent the degradation. It goes right into the cells. Into the cells. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So Let's he's got a, a new formulation that's that's perfect for this situation. But of course, if the government proceeds with with its do it real fast and inject a inject a nano and encapsulated with squalene and dotap and you know so that every cell you're injecting the RNA or the DNA blueprint of these viruses. I can't even imagine the damage you can do um, with with those the vaccines currently um, being tested. Um, and, and what type of cannabinoids? So you were referring to the CBD primarily? Yeah, yeah. You don't need THC. Yeah. That's why you modulate CB2. Why You can use other terpenes and other triterpenoids like um, mushrooms or triterpenoids, some of the extracts. So this is natural products chemistry. And this is what I've been doing in the last seven years is just, you know, forget all that happens to me and um and just go back to helping people so now that we're 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 working really hard to end those draconian laws by the way the government holds the patents for cbds and and medical marijuana and give millions of dollars overseas while investigators in the u.s again tony fauci when investigators in the u.s can't do the experiments um, with natural product unless it's the one that comes from university of um, mississippi that is laced with roundup and dried with roundup and glyphosate which again that's going to deplete your glutathione the first pathogenesis uh, of of the first um, area is oxidative stress. So when you can't make glutathione or when you deplete your levels of glutathione, um, you're, you're more likely to drive that inflammatory process. So for your oral vaccine recommendation, would it also, would it, for COVID-19, would it also include XMRV and the SARS-CoV-2? Um, no, I just put the SARS, I'd, and in fact, this is really a plug and play. Um, meaning that you no longer have to worry about the epidemic du jour the government wants to unleash on you at any given time. You don't have to worry about that because you would deliver the virus to the appropriate tissues, to the appropriate um, tissues. For instance, HPV, that's the keratinocytes. You, you don't need, you know, to, to deliver, you know, an HPV again. It doesn't cause... Um, uh, cervical cancer unless other things are in play. And we now know um, from a leaked document that somebody gave me um, literally just this morning, there are gamma retroviruses in the, in the Gardasil shots. And now we're understanding why those are so deadly causing cancers, um, myeloid leukemias, other kinds of cancers, and a lot of other things. Yeah, it's one of the deadliest vaccines out there. Yeah. So- we should just simply put a, a moratorium on all vaccines to remove, uh, uh, President Trump could today repeal the Vaccine Injury Compensation Act that Ronald Reagan signed in 1986 and declared unconstitutional at that time, which said vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. I think I've just shown you that they're not. We've learned a lot in the last 30 years as far as understanding both the innate and adaptive immune response and what's necessary to respond to those 
um, to any to RNA viruses, including um, and including retroviruses, and that's evidenced by the fact that we don't hear about HIV anymore. You know, so we're good. AIDS. You know, we what we hear about HIV is we have pre-exposure prophylactic commercials, PrEP commercials on TV where low dose of these very drugs people can take their for their life if they're infected, prevent transmission. So the therapies are all out there. And if we completely um, reorganize um, our medical um, system and and get rid of the the criminals in the system, there's an easy way to, to get rid of the corrupt old boys network take everyone over 65 and retire them, done. Use new technologies, bring in new blood, the corrupt ones, <laughs> it's easy. You know, they forced Frank Rossetti into retirement, retired. They can serve emeritus positions all they want on companies that have full liability, and we can go back to the consumer to, to take care of their health the way they want to take care of their health. So your speculation is that uh, this would also be the ideal uh, HIV vaccine, in addition to every other vaccine that we have out there, and yeah. any new ones down the road. Down the it, road, that they it's think. plug and play. Yeah, yeah. plug and play. Wow. If you know the biology, because the biology will suddenly change. But yes, peptide T was kept. You know, Candace Pert died a few yeah. years ago and never got FDA approval for that. And you know, the Dallas Buyers Club, the movie, you know, that talks about, you know, the corruption that allowed those men to die with high doses of these drugs. You don't need high doses of the drugs. And therein lies the problem. Merck took the interferon alpha off the, uh, you know, out of production. You know, why? It's off patent. So the, the, these people have the patents and they can't have patents of naturally occurring substances like CBDs, like, you know, vitamin C therapies, the natural products that, that you know, the energy therapies that we could do to stop these viruses. Even light therapy would stop the activation of expression. We know Jeff Bradstreet's beautiful work in sound therapy to drive, you know, some of the things. We know how they criminalize people for the use of GCMAP. They activate and modulating factor that is another way to modulate the macrophage population which is contributing to the pathogenesis you know we can see the plague of corruption over the last um, four decades uh, and all we really need to do is um, and, and and President Trump can do it with a few simple with a few simple um, steps the other act that you change is the Bayh-Dole Act so the Bayh-Dole Act is uh, allowed government researchers to patent their work. No, wait a minute. You pay for my education. You turn on the lights, taxpayers. You, you give me everything I need to travel to meetings, to do everything. That drug belongs to the people. And, um, and, and I have no intellectual property. I never paid a dollar for college. I never paid a dollar to graduate school. I worked in a government lab. My government grants, if I'm in a, um, in a university, it's funded by government grants. So the other thing to do is take the FDA out of the position of, of deciding efficacy. Their job is safety, and they failed miserably with our food supply and GMOs. 
They failed miserably. Their job is safety. If I have a test and I have a drug called Anistat that I've consulted with a company and hold a patent in combining natural products. So, um, you know, you, you, um, that, that, that drug is with 15 years in the making and it won't get approval. It had a successful, fabulous phase one, phase two clinical trial. And the FDA, who's bought and paid for by big pharma said, nope, you know, single drug, single target. That doesn't work. We've got 40 years proving that doesn't work. So no, we don't need a vaccine for natural viral infections. Yes, we need help for these unnatural viruses coming mm -hmm. out of these laboratories, but yes, we can do that too. And that's why we need to stop this tissue research. No more, no more growing cell lines, no more biological therapies made that way. Cause it's not only the vaccines, your CAR T cell therapy, that means chimeric antigen receptor T cell therapy, may, um, it, which is a adoptive transfer gene therapy. They make them in mouse leukemia virus vectors. So you're literally causing the next cancer when you cure the current one. They didn't want to stop that technology. That's why they shut me down. So all of medicine, and I think this pandemic is a perfect opportunity to change all of medicine, give it back to all practitioners, no mandates. You know, people can buy and if there are insurances, which we don't need, we're consumers. We can afford vitamin C. We can afford sunshine unless we're stopped from leaving our house and then we can't breathe air, you know? <laughs> so we don't, we don't need it. We can, we can, we choose what kind of car to, to buy and we choose how to maintain that car. So we can use natural product therapies, use our so-called alternative practices, hyperbaric therapy, you know, no more, um, you know, the AMA, You're, you know, it's just everything is broken. I should be covered if insurance is even necessary because the drugs won't cost that more. Most of these drugs aren't on patent. It's the FDA that says you can't use it another way. And that's why they keep this cabal going with the vaccines. Oh, because you can't patent it. That's why you need MMR three, four, five, six, seven, because you need a new thing or you don't make a zillion dollars. So in this case, they created a new disease to cover up the old diseases. I, uh, the um, that reminds me the um, the editorial by John Coffin, which accompany our our science paper, um, said one new virus, how many old diseases. And the last thing I said publicly in a meeting was, how many new viruses have we created, John? And how many new diseases? The explosion in autoimmune disease. I, I can only give you the example of Lou Gehrig's disease. The reason ALS is called a, a, Lou Gehrig's disease is because nobody knew anybody except Lou Gehrig. Now we have bucket challenges. Now we stand up to cancer. Why don't we just cure it? They're all out there and that's taking care of your immune system. We don't need vaccines. We have natural God-given immunity and we know so much about how to develop it in the immune compromise, how to maintain it. Yeah, and a key, it sounds like a key for this is the interferon one that you referenced earlier. And, and mm -hmm. thank you for explaining that. And I'm wondering if it's commercially available now and if it could be obtained for those who are suffering with COVID-19 symptoms to, to well, treat them. Merck makes it. Uh, a 50 million unit vial um, costs $600. Uh, 
it, that would provide 1,000 people with two doses a day of, uh, at 50 to 200 units um, at 50 cents a dose for a week. No, it's still off the market. That's I great. Mean, thousand, what's, what's, what's the name? That was the same. Uh, I think it's called Alpheron, A-L-F-E-R-O-N. And there's one called Roferon, R-O-F-E-R-O-N. But it's a Merck product, and I'll get you, I'll get you what the bottle looks like. Yeah, I know I Merck has got to be one of your favorite companies. No, oh, absolutely. But, but, is, <laughs> but is there any, any suspicion there's anything wrong with this specific product? Or is, is it? Is oh, it, no, it's a fabulous product. We okay. made it 40 years ago. It works. So they took it off the market because there's no money in it. Same but thing. You, but they could still sell it. It's sure. still available. Okay. Sure. Then, and that's where President Trump should say, give it to us. You know, I'll buy it. The government will buy as much as you want it. A $600 vial would protect a thousand people for a week. Yeah, what does the treatment regimen look like? Because you've had experience with it. Twice a day, throw ways. it in your mouth. Twice a day, spray it in your mouth. That's it? Yeah. Uh, and how long does one need to maintain treatment for? A week, two weeks, a month? As long as they're in exposed to somebody. They've been quarantining people, what? Seven days, 14 days? 14 okay. days. No, but if, if a person is symptomatic, they're, they're in the hospital, they're in the ICU, they want to ventilate them. I mean, what's the... Th what's oh, the, so the don't ventilate them, but I'd use it in... No, I, I know, but that's what they're doing. I don't yeah, recommend I'd it. use it in combination with um, with um, HBOT and um, oxygen therapies uh, and 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 uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, is fine in, in a ZPAC if it's a bacterial component to the disease. But yeah, a, a week, uh, you know, until okay. they recover. Do you have any feedback or clinical experience of, of any patients with COVID-19 being treated with HBOT? I only know that David Brownstein and Dr. Ted Fogarty do. Okay. All right. I'll, have to, I'll have to contact David. And, and very successfully in the case of David Brownstein. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely have to connect with him on that. Wow. This is mind-blowing information. I mean, this is so radical. <laughs> Was not expecting this. I knew you. You, you know you, I'm a radical, but. I know, but this was. Not a free radical at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not all free radicals are bad. They're biological signaling molecules, as you're exactly. familiar with, and we need them. And if we suppress them indiscriminately, we can cause problems. Absolutely. So um, this is great. Okay. Wow. Anything else you would care to enlighten us with today? <laughs> no, I think that covers most of what I've been thinking about the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is thanks so much, man. We're going to get this. I, my guess is this may be one of the most popular interviews I've ever done. And, and I've interviewed Francis Boyle, I'm sure you're familiar with, and, and yeah. his, his interview got well over a million, maybe a million and a half views by now. This should go into the millions, multi-millions. Because so. no one shared this. This is, this is information. You, have you shared this with anyone before? I mean, publicly? Every day I learn more, not all of it. Yeah. I didn't know about the papers. I didn't know about the epigenetics. I didn't know about the epigenetics. I, there's a lot I, I learn every single day. Well, the world appreciates you, and if they don't, they should. And especially for all the sacrifices you've made, all the suffering and pain that you voluntarily uh, endured because you were committed to the truth and integrity. And, and the world owes you a great debt of uh, gratitude. So thanks. Thanks so much. Well, thanks so much, Joe.